0: A couple of things. One, we were standing back there before the service and we were praying for the service. And then I was informed that my children were going to be given palm branches. Are you nuts? I mean, I'm going to be standing here watching sword fights and children sprawled out on the floor, maybe a bloody eyeball or something. You all are kind of crazy. Um, But on a sweeter note, I was standing in the kitchen this morning and making myself some breakfast, and I heard Ingrid intersect with a couple of our kids and say, hey, guys, go get ready for church. We're going to go to non Papa's church. I said, yay, we love non Papa's church. I don't get too excited. The rest of that was, yay, we love non Papa's church. They have great pastries. <laughs> so thank you for bribing our children. We hope that you continue to do that because that's leverage for us. If I see a dead body out there, no pastry for you. Um, And then last but not least, I received an email confirming my time here with you this morning, and I received a follow-up email. In that follow-up email, um, I was told that I was not allowed to touch certain Bible verses because Ryan, your new senior pastor, wouldn't allow me to touch on them because he wants to do it. Ryan, I'm sure you're listening to this at some point. We're going to be friends you don't know me very well, though, because that's like telling a kid, don't touch that cookie on the planter over there. That, you, it's a delicious cookie, and it smells great, but don't touch it. Well, all you want to do is touch the cookie now. So I'm going to honor your request, Ryan, and not touch those verses much, um, but we're going to have a, a good time here this morning anyhow. And with that, um, Father, we recognize your presence, as many men have done before me. And we look forward to your presence here with us as we go and help us to navigate and to weave and to hear what it is you want us to hear and then go and do what it is you're asking us to do as we see ourselves as you see us. Amen. Um, Now, if you were a liturgical church, we would start with the reading of uh, Philippians chapter two. You're not, but you are today. So we're going to start with Philippians chapter two um, and uh, This is Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, teeing up who is Jesus, right? Who is he? What was he about? Why did he do what he did? And this, in many ways, tees up the next week for us with what we consider to be our high holy days. So it says, So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being made of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each other of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, even under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now this obviously wonderfully tees up Who Jesus is and what's available to us in terms of his mind for us because of who he is in us. And so now we have to set it up and now we have to tell the story about what Jesus actually did. So we're going to read that in Mark's account. So each of the four gospels, there's an account. We're going to look at Mark's just because I happen to like Mark today. Mark's account in chapter 11 says, Now when they, the disciples and Jesus, when they drew near to Jerusalem... To Bethpage in Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of disciples and said to them, "Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter, it will uh, it, it, immediately once you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you why you're doing this, say the Lord has need of it, and He's going to send it right back." And then they went away and found a colt tied at the door uh, outside, outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them. What are you doing? Why are you untying the colt? And they said what Jesus told them to say, and then they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and Jesus sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Okay, now if you've been around the church for a couple of years, or certainly if you've been raised in the church, you know this verse. You know these verses, you know this story. So those of us who get an opportunity to speak once in a while have a wonderful task of making this interesting again to you, right? So you don't fall asleep in the next 45 minutes. What we have to understand here is that these folks have been waiting for this for a very, very long time. Very long time. And we know from the stories of Jesus that precede that they had on numerous occasions tried to take him and make him king when it wasn't time to be king. So what I want to do now is finish it, right? So we set it up, we told the story, now we need to give a little bit of the background as to why this is a big deal. And we find that in Zechariah chapter 9. In Zechariah chapter 9, we read, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from a frame, The war horse from Jerusalem and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the rivers to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit and return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double... All right, so these folks, for most of us who might know these stories, right, these folks are waiting for theirs. They're waiting for their king. They're waiting for their kingdom. And they know how kings and kingdoms operate. They know that there's a guy who has tremendous power. He establishes his kingdom. He says, I want that, bring it into my kingdom. I want those ladies, I bring them into my kingdom. I want that land, I go take it. That's how kings and kingdoms work back in that day. And in some places they still work that way. Jesus did it a whole lot differently, right? He gets on a donkey. He goes, and he says, I want that donkey, by the way, and I'm going to bring it back. I'm not even going to keep it. You can have it back. I just want to use it for a little bit. Entirely different than any king would ever do it otherwise. And for the years leading up to this experience, everything that he had done had been different. The way that he did things were different. The Religious leaders would say A plus B equals C. And he goes, no, no, A plus B does not equal C, I'm sorry. Not today. What do you mean? He was always turning things on his head. The, world, the way that the world operated within the kingdom that he was presenting to them was very different than what they were used to on a regular basis. The point is, he came to establish a new kingdom that looks different, operates differently, has different values and measurements of success, If you enter into it on earth as it is in heaven, which was his prayer, be prepared to not fully understand how or why it's working as you live in it. Said another way, said simply, he came to establish a new mindset, which is what leads to new values and actions. We historically have focused very heavily on the fact that he died on the cross and he rose again so that I get to go to heaven when I die. That's been our emphasis. That's good, important, tremendous, wonderful. But I'm going to live, Lord willing, 80 or 90 years. And if all I'm doing is waiting to die, that's a miserable existence. There's an opportunity that he promised to these folks through Zechariah long, long, long ago. That a microcosm of the new heaven and the new earth that's coming is available to us here and now today. It's the kingdom of heaven. It's the kingdom of earth the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And far too often, we get way sidetracked by other stuff, other Christian stuff, other religious stuff. And so what I want to focus on this morning a little bit is this idea of our mindsets and how that plays out. So, once a month, I work with a bunch of executives, and we come together for half a day and we work on leadership issues, and sometimes they're business stuff. And it's all under the, under the umbrella of faith and how you play out your kingdom of God and your pursuit of Jesus and what it is you do. And for the last two months, we've been focused on mindset. And so, I already had a little bit of structure for us this morning, and so I've removed a bunch of the businessy stuff, and we've made it a little bit more general and palatable. But what I want to do is take a little bit of a dive into mindset and why it's so important and how we often totally whiff and miss the mindset piece. So to start there, what I want to do is I want to start with um, this idea of uh, leadership being distributed as bullets or seeds. Now, you're all a leader, whether you like it or not. Even if you're younger than 18, you have an opportunity to lead in some capacity. If you shoot bullets... They're precise. They're exact. There's an, almost a nearly immediate effect. Something happens almost spontaneously. The problem is with bullets is that they often kill motivation and innovation. For instance, I have four children. Couple of them are going to be given palm branches. I still think that's nuts. Stop poking your sister. Stop poking your sister. Stop poking your sister. Stop poking your sister. Look both ways. Put your pants on. Put some clothes on. Stop eating that. Don't touch that. Go over here. Right? Who, anyone who's a parent, you do that a lot, and it's exhausting, and it's not that much fun. Some of us do it to your husbands, I'm just saying. Put your pants on. <laughs> it becomes a babysitting process, right? You have to be redundant. You have to keep after them. You have to keep repeating it, and it's just a miserable experience. I have a guy that I've worked with for a long time who admits that when he was in high school, he would just wait for his mom to come wake him up because he knew that she was going to do it and he was just going to stay in bed. as long. My mom's smirking at me. It wasn't me, but he would just stay in bed as long as he could until his mom would just come wake him up because he didn't need to think for himself because his mom was going to do it for him. Okay, so the other opportunity is to plant seeds. When you plant seeds, the process of Seeing the benefit is a lot longer process, a lot longer process, but it's nurtured properly, it takes root, and it goes deep, and it becomes your own. So speaking of my mom, she told me probably when I was in my 20s that my parents had a very intentional way about raising us, and that way was to guide us like this, kind of guide us without us knowing we were being guided. It was very smart because if I had known I was being led, I would have bucked against it. But it was this idea where they're going to guide us like this. They're going to lead us like this. And we're, not, we're somewhere in the middle. And we know where the boundaries are. But our their goal for us was for us to figure out how to think for ourselves. For us to figure out how to come to conclusions and make decisions based on what makes sense to us. And hopefully learn how to make good decisions. Make the right decisions. But it wasn't just... Well, my parents told me to do this, so I'm just going to go do that. Okay, now what do I do? Okay, I'll go, now I'll go, and I'll go do that. Now what do I do? And, and Okay, I'll go, I'll go and do that. But we treat so much of life that way. We do it in business. We do it in the church. We do it in our families. And we don't teach people how to think. It's all about results. It's all about, I don't really care if you get it, just do it. Eventually, you get frustrated with the process. And just, just would you just do it? I don't need you to understand. Just do it. It's dangerous, and it's very short-sighted. Okay, so as we begin to understand that this idea of um, planting seeds is, is wonderful and appropriate. Now, it is important to shoot bullets once in a while, but not that often. We can then take it and change it, and we can actually call it mindset versus behavior. And when you begin to address it as mindset versus behavior... We have to agree that behavior drives results. That's just true. It is what it is. But the mindset is what informs the behaviors a person chooses and then the effectiveness of those behaviors. Okay, so you have to understand that we're made up of both components, so I'll give you a great and embarrassing example. So this morning I went to the gym, and I have set some goals for myself that I would like to return to pushing some certain numbers around that were what I was hitting 20 years ago. Stupid, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And so we had just gotten back from spring break, so I haven't been in the gym for like a week and a half. I'm just getting back into the flow. And today I think, you know what, I'm feeling good. I'm going to go and I'm going to try and squat a pretty good amount. So I'm doing my thing and I'm warming up and I'm putting plates on. I'm putting some more plates on and I get up to my max and I've got the plates on. And all that's going through my mind is, that looks like a lot of weight. I haven't really lifted heavy in about a week and a half. Get it, walk up to the weight, put it on my chest, pick it up off the rack. This is a lot of weight. Taking my steps back, it's still dark out so I can see my reflection in the window. You don't look very strong, buddy. I get the weight here, I go down, I get part of the way back up and I'm going, I can't do it, and I dump the weight. (laughs) <laughs> this guy walks by. He goes, mm, this close, buddy. <laughs> oh, yeah? I stripped the bar. I put the bar back up. I put the weights back on. Now I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I walk back up to it. I'm not even, I'm just in the zone. I pick it up. Yep, it's still heavy. I take my steps back. I go down, shoot up, get stuck in the same spot. I go, uh-uh. I'm getting up, and I get up. Put the rack back. <clears throat> I'm out of here. I'm going home. What changed? the only thing that changed was my mindset. The weight was still the same. My body's still the same. Probably actually more tired than I was the first time I tried. The only thing different was my mindset. So we have to think through this idea of, am I going to push my behaviors toward my desired target and leave my mindset where it was and hope that eventually my mindset slides over which, 99% of the time, does not work. Your behaviors slide back to where your mindset was. Or, am I going to push my mindset and trust that my behaviors are going to follow? Now, you see up there Romans twelve two. Romans 12, 1 and 2 are my, some of my life verses. So, Paul has written to the church in Rome this wonderful, beautiful series of thoughts that are divided up into different things, and he starts off 12.1 with therefore. You always have to say, what's therefore? It's therefore because it's preceded by this beautiful set of information and this beautiful set of theology and thinking and way of living. And 12.2 says, no longer conform to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Why? So that you can know what the will of the Father is. Go backwards. Transform your mind. I'm sorry. Renew your mind so that you can be transformed so that you're no longer conformed. It works. The whole thing plays out. He doesn't just say act differently. He says keep renewing your mind. Keep after it. How many of us as parents, how many of us as believers are just interested in the changed behaviors. Go to church. Just go to church. Get in a small group. Give 10%. Do the right things. Don't swear. There's a, there's a big difference between just doing it because it's the right thing to do and doing it because it's from a place that's the right place. I'll give you an example. When I was in high school... Um, the big thing was promise keepers and um, kind of the purity movement where it was kind of wait, save yourself for your spouse. That was that was a big deal. You got the purity ring you got the whole thing. And I remember it very well. And it was, I mean, they beat that drum. Wait for your spouse. Wait for your spouse. Wait for your spouse. Okay, I'll wait for my spouse. I'll wait for my spouse. I'll wait for my spouse. Great, wait for your spouse. I signed up. I don't think I did the ring because that didn't seem very boyish. But I was still, I was in. I was in, I signed up mentally I was locked in, but it was just a don't do this, don't do this, okay, I remember conversation after conversation after conversation in my youth group, okay, but, but what can I do, <laughs> how far is too far in the relationship, what's allowable, well, and I mean, and we would, I mean, some people, they get, de- can I do this, well, well, okay, but can I, can I do this, it was this ridiculous endeavor to try and figure, out how far can I push before I cross the line? Well, the line is here for you, and it's here for you. and it, Well, this is a ridiculous experience. And someone along my, my high school career painted a picture for me. He changed my mindset. The ch- I don't even remember who it was. I don't remember when it was. I remember nothing about it. It just became mine. I remember the challenge was, what if, when you date someone, the objective is to assume you're not going to marry them in high school and assume they're going to marry somebody else. And when that person gets married to somebody else, their spouse thanks you for dating them. Are you kidding me? Who thinks that way? That the person I'm dating is going to marry somebody else and that person that they marry thanks me for dating their wife now. That changed everything. Because so much of dating is about what can I get out of this, right? The reason why people are asking the question, well, what can I do? Can I do this or can I do this? Is because it's about them trying to get something for themselves out of a relationship. It changes entirely when it's, I want you to be the best version of yourself or whoever you end up marrying. And my goal is to serve you in this relationship. It changed everything. It changed the way I dated, and it changed the relationship with the people that I, I dated. It was a mindset shift. It wasn't just a "don't do this" because <laughs> that's like cookies. Oh, there's a big cookie on the counter now. All I can do is think about the cookie. Well, how close can the cookie to the cookie can I get? And could I have a crumb of the cookie? Can I? I didn't touch the whole cookie. We do the same thing in the church. Why is it that I think the numbers now 85% of kids who go through youth group and go to college stop going to church, stop being involved in some faith community? Why? Because all throughout high school, they're just being told, go to youth group, go to youth group, go to church, we're going to church. This is what we do. There's not an effect on their mindset. It's just do this. I remember sitting with some kids at a baseball game, and they're like, this whole Christian thing comes easily to you. I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like the whole prayer thing and going to church. And I'm like, then don't go. Don't go. Because if you're going just because you have to, you're not going to do it when no one's looking. Just stop going. How about you just talk to God? Just see what he has to say. See what he wants you to do. So if we go down this road, and we're ideally planting more seeds than shooting bullets, and we're driving more towards changing of the mindset and knowing and trusting that the behavior is going to follow... Then we get to ourselves to a point where it's now you have a choice between the inward mindset and the outward mindset. The outward mindset, the objectives and the behaviors that take others into account. You see others as people first, you see their values, and you and you address the others' needs and objectives and challenges. Right? And then you have the inward mindset that's very self-focused, and the objectives and the behaviors are all selfward and inwardly focused. You see others as ob- objects and pawns to accomplish your own task. You're primarily concerned with others' impact on you rather than your impact on them. Entities can be this way, right? The local church can have to fight with this. Is it? Are we concerned with our, the, your, the world's impact on us, those of you sitting here, your impact on us, or are we more concerned about our impact on you, your na- impact on your neighbors? Some people get so convoluted where it's like, well, I want to bring you to church. And this is, isn't about you. It's about me feeling good about myself and doing what my church wants me to do. This isn't about you getting to experience something meaningful and powerful for you. God doesn't need you to do stuff just to do it. He needs your heart. He needs you to have the right mindset. Jesus sat on a donkey and entered into a week of terror for the benefit for. The <laughs> I hope that's on the speakers for Ryan. Um, for the benefit of a new way of thinking. That a kingdom of God is available to us here and now on earth as it is in heaven. It leads to, those things lead to different actions, but it's the mindset that comes first. There's a quote that I absolutely love by a a captain of of the Navy SEALs, and um, for those of you who aren't familiar, if you're going into the Navy SEALs, you have an opportunity to go and really be messed with in a major way and they put you into a group and you go through these extreme exercises and if you get to a point where you can't handle anymore, you're given the opportunity to go over to the bell and ring the bell and you're out, you go home. And so this is the quote, when asked, hey, how do you know, can you differentiate between someone who's going to make it and someone who's not going to make it? Captain Ron Newsom says, I can say with certainty when those who quit took their first steps towards ringing the bell. The moment they stopped thinking about the mission and their teammates and started thinking primarily about themselves. So long as they focus on the mission and those around them, they can get through anything. But the moment they start focusing inward and fixating on how cold, wet, and tired they are, it's not a matter of if they're going to ring the bell, it's a matter of when. So, we as the body, we've got a mission. Our mission is to bring about the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. That was Jesus' prayer. And to do it in a unified way. And that means to love God and to love people first above everything else. And we're to do that in community. And as soon as you get isolated, and then you start boo-hooing about how cold, wet, and tired you are, you're going to tap out pretty quick. We've all got really difficult life circumstances. But when we start focusing excruciatingly inwardly, we get extremely distracted. Jesus didn't come and go through everything he went through for us to be worried about the little things. His kingdom came in such a way as to provide us with an opportunity to focus on love, to focus on peace, to focus on reconciliation, but also to focus on trusting him and having faith, not just that we get to go to heaven when we die, but also for today. We can feel really good about ourselves because I didn't swear today and I didn't watch a bad movie today and I went to church on Sunday and yada, yada, yada. And not in any way participate in the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. You can do all the right Christian stuff and not be participating in the kingdom of God. You're not free. He came to set us free and you're not free. You're still operating under the worldly kingdom. You're still judging everybody in everything. But here's what he came to do. Your job is to love people. Yes, there's right and there's wrong. There's parameters, there's boundaries, there's guidelines that we have to stay within. But you love the people out even outside the guidelines. And it's not an emotion, it's an action. It's not a feeling, it's a do something about it. And then you get to do it with his mind. Because I want to circle back around to Philippians. And these are my highlights. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So here's the thing. Right, talking about mindsets and actions. We become creatures of habit. We become creatures of pattern. A lot of us in here come here every Sunday. And we know the routine. Someone's going to come up, introduce. We're going to stand up. We're going to sing some songs. We're going to sit down, listen to someone. We're going to stand back up. Some guy's going to get up and give us some really great stuff. Great stuff. We're going to have another song. There's going to be kids with palm branches waving the death palm branch at somebody. The guy at the end is going to pray over us and we're going to go home. That's how this is going to go. Every Sunday. Almost every Sunday. The risk of that is you become comfortable with that. And your body and your mind becomes trained to do the same thing. And what that can mean is that at 11.05 you shift to the next thing. And what is experienced here, what is heard here, doesn't transcend that, that exchange. We don't need more sermons. We need more, we need more people living out sermons. I don't even remember what I told you all like three months ago. I hope I lived it, but I don't even remember what I said. You don't, if you remember, man, I, I have a pastry out back for you. But we don't need people hearing more stuff and doing the right things. We need people living out a different mindset. That's attractive. That's powerful. And that's my prayer for you. My prayer for you is that when you see these palm branches, well, first of all, you're going to be thinking of the palm branch of death. You're going to, that's just going to cross your mind. But when you see these palm branches today and going forward, you think different mindset. You associate the palm branch with the mindset. I would love to hear a story. Here we were driving around in Florida, we saw a palm branch, and my wife yelled out, Mindset! Just a different mindset. He came to provide a different mindset. The actions follow the mindset. You ha- it's like trust the process. This is trust the process. Get your mind right, receive who He is and what He had to provide. The activities follow. Some of you here have kids who are in high school or in junior high. And all you want is for your kid to do what you want them to do, the right thing. Do the right thing. Just do the right thing. And when you're not looking, they're not going to do the right thing. Because all they're hearing is do the right thing. And their mindset's not there yet. Help them to develop the right mindset. Help them to fall in love with, Jesus, some of you are married to someone, that they need an adapted mindset, don't beat them over the head of what they're supposed to do. Help them to fall in love with Jesus, experience Jesus, get to know Jesus, and trust that the activities will follow. Amen? Amen? Father, your ways are not our ways, and that's terrifying, quite frankly. We see throughout Scripture that you came to establish different mindsets. You came to establish a different way of doing things. And quite frankly, we also acknowledge that the only way to be able to live out your kingdom is through the leading of your spirit and through the revelation of your Scripture. And to know that we're not going to be able to navigate it in an alive and in a free way without those components. So I would pray for myself, I would pray for this family of friends here together, that we would do something um, that would be setting us free. And that would be adapting mindset change. And trusting that when we can begin to see things how you saw them. That we would take seriously your promise where you said, people are going to come after you and they're going to do greater things than you did. That only comes when we are willing to adopt your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, your mindset. Set us free to do that and to have fun and to enjoy the process. Thank you for your love for us. Allow us to receive that and to give that freely. Pray in your name.